everyone and welcome to another edition of the my whim live show where we use wisdom humor inspiration and motivation to help you go after your one unique life so today i have a super awesome lady on her name is karen freeland she's got a book coming out that i can't wait to talk to you guys about uh, but first of all karen tell everyone a little bit about who you are Sure, thank you so much for having me and allowing me to speak with your audience today. It's great to be here. So I, growing up, you know, always danced um, and didn't really know what I wanted to be when I got older. So when I went to school, I just sort of said, I'll just be a dance major, that's a thing, great. I don't have to right. write an essay, like this sounds awesome. And then as I was in college, I kind of realized, I don't actually love teaching dance. I love to dance, but this isn't necessarily what I want to do for the rest of my life. So after school, I didn't have a job. I was just kind of like going about my daily business, moved to Miami and got bit by the acting bug. And Ooh. so I'm no stranger to following my dreams and just kind of going with whatever gets me excited. So I did that for a couple of years, decided, you know what? I'm doing pretty well here in Miami. Why not move to New York where all the action is? So I lived in New York for a little while and then I decided, you know what? I'm gonna go work for just a year, one year and save up as much money as possible so that I can just act without having to wait tables anymore. Right, because New York is crazy expensive crazy expensive and yeah. it was like this vicious cycle where you're trying to wait more tables because you got to pay your bills but then if you're waiting the tables you can't actually go to auditions or you're not available when the shoot date is so you just end up waiting tables and not acting right so I was like, well if that's the case i might as well go get like a real job you know and <laughs> and get benefits and all that good stuff well i got i was in sales and my first paycheck had four numbers on it and I'd never seen so much money on one check and I got addicted to the money. So out went my dreams and I had a new dream. How high could I climb in corporate? You know, so I just started grinding in my career and I did sales, I did marketing, I was chief of staff for a year, um, led marketing teams, you know, and really worked my way up to see what was the biggest paycheck I could get and what's the highest title I could get. But uh, in 2019, I suffered a pretty devastating midlife crisis, um, self-diagnosed, but I will tell you it was not pretty and I would not wish it on my worst enemy. And I'm finally now just starting to talk about it because I want it to be normalized. Um, and I think a lot of us have different views of what we think a midlife crisis is, right? We picture like the bald guy in a sports car with like a 25 year old wife and you're like, no, I mean, I was 39 with a seemingly amazing life, right? Great paycheck, bends in the driveway, roof over our head, happily married, two healthy boys. And you would look and go, how can you be unhappy? But yeah. something was really missing, right? I wasn't living my purpose and I wasn't having that bigger meaning to my life. And so I went on this journey to find myself and that really got sparked when I started writing my memoir, The Ins and Outs of My Vagina, a penetrating memoir. I love and, it. 
Thank you. It is such a fun title. It really is. Um, but it, I think it also has a lot of connotations that come with it. You know, people sure. hear that title and they automatically assume like, oh, what kind of woman are you? Or what are you writing about? You know? Totally. Um, and I, I didn't even know that I was going to publish it. Honestly, when I started writing this, I was just like, I'm writing a book. And I didn't really think about publishing it or what those next steps would be. I just got so excited that I was being creative again and following my dreams like I once was with my acting and my dancing. And so um, as I started writing it, like everything in the universe just started lining up. And I ended up leaving corporate. I got certified as a life coach because I wanted to help other women transform their lives just like I did and not feel stuck and feel like they're chained to their job with the golden handcuffs. Um, and so that's the journey that I've been on really from like the beginning of 2019 until now. It's It's been wild and I've never been happier. Yeah, well, and it's such, you know, I mean, to add to not only were you trying to figure things out, the world has been trying to figure things out and you're like, I have no idea where I'm going with this, but we're just going to keep moving forward and see what happens next. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's so important. I saw a post the other day that was like, you know, plans for 2021 survive. And I thought, you know, like I get it, but I want to change that mode. I want you to go, no, I'm going to thrive because we can thrive even when there's chaos and debauchery around us. We can come into our bubbles and go, but what's important to me? What do I want my life to look like? And be intentional about that. I mean, so many people I know around me, I mean, 2020 is literally the worst year of their life. And rightly so, you know, I mean, many people lost loved ones and it was horrible. 2020 was the best year of my life. Like the best. I mean, I finally had the confidence to leave corporate. I was writing a book. I was living my dream. I mean, for me, it was like a second chance at life. So, you know, I love to try to help people see things from a different perspective so that they can thrive and they can get out of just survival mode. Yeah, I love that you said that because 2020 was one of my best years ever either. And I have you know, dealt with both personally and from other people, dealt with criticism or guilt about being happy, uh, you know, during that time that was such turmoil for others. And I was like, you start to feel like obligated to shrink what you experienced. And then, you know, for those of us who have done the work and have really tried to figure out what works for us, we're like, no, No, this was my best year. I'm telling everyone, screaming it at the rooftops, because I did the work and I built what culminated into a, you know, something that that was meaningful to me that really made a difference in my life that year. Yep. And I'm so glad that you said that because we need to normalize this, right? That like misery loves company, but that is not a place that you want to be. So let's try to pull each other out of that instead of sitting there and just dragging each other down. 
And it's such a habit, especially for women. We always shrink ourselves. We always go, oh, well, if you're not happy, then I don't want to tell you, you know, about that great endorsement I just got on my book or that new client I just signed. And so we do, we shrink ourselves away. And that's, that's not helpful for us or for others either. No, no, definitely not. I remember I had a a friend of mine who I had called with some really, really good news once. And we had been friends for like 15 years. And um, when I was telling her about how excited I was, um, she said, you know, I just don't think we can be friends anymore. She's like, you're always calling to either brag about your fabulous life or complain about everything that's going wrong. And I remember saying, you know, being pausing for a second, obviously, because I was so shocked. But then I just said, huh, that's interesting because I thought that's what friends were for. Right. Yeah. You so you're so in those moments. A, yeah. A different perspective on what even friendship is, you know, from from that perspective. I think that it's just so important to be inclusive and to celebrate each other and to cry with each other uh, in in those types of relationships. Yeah. And that's one of the aims too with me writing this book is to get conversations started so that we aren't feeling alone. Uh, you know, I know so much of my life, especially when I was going through the midlife crisis, which really isn't covered in the book, but you know, I was suffering in silence because I was afraid to tell anyone. I didn't know what they were going to think. Oh, she's a head case or she's really lost it or what's wrong with her. Get it together. How dare you feel guilty when you have such a great life? Like you should look at my bank statement or you should look at what I don't have. And so we just try to handle these things on our own. And without a strong support system, it just makes it so much harder to get through it. Right. Well, tell me, tell me, you know, I, because it's not really covered in the book, tell me a little bit more about what that midlife crisis looked like for you. Like, what were those feelings? How did that come on? How, I'm sure that there's so many other people that could identify with that. So explain how yeah. that worked for you. Sure. So it really was a slow build until it peaked. So it was probably around 2016. I was in a job. I was chief of staff. I was working 24-7. And I literally would come home from work and I would put vodka and coffee. Not, I don't recommend that. That's not a best practice. Right. But I would be so tired from staying up every night so late working that I needed the caffeine to keep going, but I was so frazzled and just stressed out that I needed the vodka to bring me down. And so I don't, it probably did absolutely nothing for me, but for <laughs> some reason, I, that was my self-medication. Yeah. And, you know, I realized like, just at work, I wasn't happy. Like things that would have normally excited me, campaigns or, you know, projects that I would have normally gotten excited about just now felt like a chore. Mm -hmm. And so my first thought was I should just get a job somewhere else. Like if I work somewhere else, this will all be fixed. And so in 2017, um, I was in a new role. We had to go out to Vegas for a big trade show. And there was an ice party that we were supposed to go to. And for whatever reason, I had seen in the magazine in my hotel that the Jabberwockies, they're like a dance troupe, were yeah. performing. And I love, of course, being a former dancer, 
I was like, I have to see them. I have to see their performance. So I gave up my seat at the ice party to one of my coworkers and I went to the show all alone. I got a seat on the end of an aisle, like all alone. And I went to the show and I literally felt like they were speaking to me. The whole time they were talking about being a zombie, being the walking dead and just going through life, but not really living. And I remember wanting to cry and also like scream with joy at the same time, because I was like, that's me. That's me right here in the third row. Like you're talking to me, but typical me, I was like, okay, sign that the universe is giving me, like, I'm going to relish in that for a minute, but then, you know, I'm the breadwinner. What do I do? I have to keep working. Oh, that's ridiculous. Then how would we pay our bills? How would we do all these fun things? How would I put the kids through hockey? Right. And and the laundry list of why I can't make a move got really long. So I decided I'm going to take a week off of work and just figure out what I want to do for myself. And I told everybody I was going to the Bahamas so that they couldn't email me or I was like, I'm not going to have service. Like I'm out of commission. So I, I took this week off and what I came to a realization at that point was that I do want to get another job, but I want to start using my resources to help me have an easier life because I being a former, you know, starving artist and living paycheck to paycheck for much of my young adult life. Once I started to get the money, it was like, I was like a hoarder. I just squirreled it away And like, I would spend it on some random frivolous things, you know, to keep up with the Joneses. But like, I really was like, turn off the lights so that we don't use energy. But I bought a Fendi watch. Like, it was ridiculous, you know? (laughs) It really was. We've all done it. (laughs) Yeah. So I said, you know, I'm going to hire a nanny. I'm going to hire somebody who comes in the morning, who can get the kids ready for school so that I don't have to be yelling at them and screaming at them. And so things started to get a little bit better for a while. I found a new job. I was all excited now, new role. And then it all started again. And two of my family members, uh, my great aunt and my great uncle passed away within about four months of each other. And suddenly it was, you know, they were the last of that generation. So the next up on deck is my parents, right? And all, and then me. And all of a sudden my mortality was face to face with me. And I had to stare at it and go, what am I doing with my life? Like, do I really want to make PowerPoint presentations to justify my existence for the rest of my life? Because that's all I felt like I was doing in marketing, right? It was just making PowerPoints. And I started waking up in the middle of the night, because at this point, I'm still self-medicating, right? I'm drinking every night, three glasses of wine before bed, um, just trying to get cope with the stress, but it was such a habit at that point. It just was what I did. I came home from work and I drank. And what would happen is I would wake up in the middle of the night and have to go to the bathroom. And I would do this thing for whatever reason, this thought would come into my mind of like, what will, cause I wouldn't turn the light on, you know, cause it would be so yeah. shocking for my eyes. So I would just kind of have the nightlight on and find my way in the dark. And I would start to think of what will it be like when I die? Will it be like this? Will it be dark? Will it be nothingness? And this wave of terror would overcome my body. And I would get so freaked out because for a moment it would feel so real. And I would just start bawling. I would be hyperventilating 
over the sink in the bathroom with my husband sleeping in bed, you know, 10, 15 feet away from me and be telling myself, you got to get it together. You can't go back out there. Like he's going to wake up. He's going to come in here and he's going to see you freaking out. Like what's wrong with you? Stop this. And so that went on for maybe a year. And meanwhile, like all the other symptoms, right, are, are hitting me. It's like I went and started getting Botox. I started like trying to look younger and like all these things that you do when you are having a midlife crisis that you don't necessarily realize why you're doing it. You know, yeah. like I never said like, oh, I'm drinking because I'm having a midlife crisis. Right. And all of a sudden at one point, it all hit me. It all made sense. And I realized like exactly what was happening to me. Like I am having a midlife crisis at 40. Like, you know, if I'm lucky if only half my life is over at 40, like, and I was like, okay, I can't live like this anymore. I can't do the panic attacks anymore. Like I have so much to offer, but the conditions aren't right to allow me to offer it. And so I just watched someone at work. I was bitching one day about everything that was going on. And someone at work was like, well, what would you regret not doing before you died? And that was it. That was the spark. And I like went home that night and I watched The Secret on, on uh, YouTube. And I was like, and I saw Jack Canfield, who is the author of Chicken Soup for the Soul. Yeah. And in that moment, my book that I had started writing in 2009 that had been buried all the way back in my brain. I'd forgotten that I'd even started writing it. Suddenly was like picture perfect in the front of my brain. And I was like, that's it. That's what I want to do. That's what I'll regret not doing is finishing that book. And it just set off this chain of events. Yeah. Oh, it's such a good story. Just because there's so many people, I think, that feel exactly that way but they they either get the message like you did and ignore it or mm -hmm. they don't trust themselves enough to take that step. I think one of the big advantages that, that I can see with you is that you've been a risk taker for so long that that is a, that's like muscle memory. Yes. So jumping, jumping at an opportunity is muscle memory for you. And some people just have never been put in a situation where they've ever had to jump. So it is literally terrifying for them. So yeah. it's just a very different perspective to come from. But I know because I'm also a jumper that everything is always better after. Like it's yeah. always the, the fear is only between here and the jump. Once you jump, it's all gone. But right. people, if you haven't done it before, you don't understand that. Yeah. And for me, it's interesting, even though I've always been a risk taker, I have always also suffered from imposter syndrome mm. and that feeling that I'm not good enough and that I'm a fraud and people are going to find me out. I mean, that year of me being in chief of staff, I was like, how did I even get here? I'm chief of staff to the president of, you know, a large telecom company. They do $13 billion in revenue every year. Like me, how am I here? Right. And I second guessed everything all the time. And it's no different when I left that company that I'd been with for nine years and got that other job because I thought, oh, I'll just get a different job. That'll fix it. I was terrified. I, and I said, well, maybe 
I'm only this good because I've worked at this company for nine years and I know all the people and I kind of know the way we do things here. Like maybe I'm really not that good. And it was like, what? I'm awesome. Why do I think that I'm not, you know, but we just try to discredit and we let those little negative seeds get in our head and it's so detrimental for us, you know? And so even though I'm a risk taker, it doesn't mean I'm without those feelings of fear. It just means that you do it. I do it anyway. Right. Right. Yeah. I've said that so many times. There is no, there's no such thing in my opinion of as fearless living. There's, it doesn't exist. Right. The fear is always there for all of us. It's just, are you still going to move forward despite the fear? Yep. Absolutely. So what, what does life look like for you now that you're not in corporate America? Oh my goodness. It's amazing. And you know, I will say old habits die hard. One of the things that I did, you know, obviously as being a life coach, I knew when I was starting my business, I wanted to coach for my business. Um, cause I believe in coaching, right. And I love coaching and it's been so helpful to me in my personal life. And, you know, I've seen the transformation it's made in other people, but I hired a business coach and she was like, okay, so what do you want your life to look like? And I was like, wait, what do you mean? I'm like, come on, we're business coaching. What am I supposed to do first for my business? And she's like, no, no, this is part of it. Like you need to build a business around your dream life. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I don't want to work on Fridays. And she's like, great, put a hold on your calendar every Friday. And I was like, the whole day? She's like, well, do you want to work? I was like, no. She's like, then the whole day. I'm like, okay. So I put the hold on. And of course, at first, you know, I wasn't comfortable. I had never had three-day weekends before. So someone would say, hey, let's meet, or I want to talk to you about something. And I'd be like, great, I'm open on Friday. And I would just start like slotting things in. And I got that old workaholic habit back again. And all of a sudden, you know, my family had to call me out and they're like, mom, you said you weren't going to work on Fridays. We're supposed to go to the park or do this or do that. And I was like, you're right. I was like, I'm totally falling back into my old ways. So now that I've kind of worked through that, you know, I have three day weekends. Um, My husband doesn't work Fridays either because of his schedule. He's on four days and then off three. So we have like family day on Fridays and we do fun things on the weekend and just really try to decompress from that. Um, I'm in the middle of my book launch. So a lot of my time is doing podcasts, interviews, things like that, trying to get the word out on the book. Um, planning some events in the Greenville, South Carolina area where I'm based um, in September, and then seeing my coaching clients a couple days a week. So it's been really fun to build that dream life. And it's honestly not been as hard as I thought it was going to be. You know, I thought it was going to be much harder. Um, And won't say it's easy. Entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart at all. But I, you know, have been very fortunate to have a really strong network and to be able to pull in enough clients and to have enough money saved, you know, from my days in corporate that I'm able to live this decent lifestyle um, and also be able to, you know, enjoy my life. Yeah, I think that is 
fantastic. And I, you know, one of the really important things that I think that you talked about is something that, you know, what your coach brought out in you and said, what do you want your life to look like? I think so many people don't even bother to ask themselves that question. They don't feel like they have the right to ask that question. Um, they feel like, this is just the way that it is. It is what it is. I hear that all the time and I'm like, ah, it's not what it is. Like it is what you create it to be. So yes. you have to make the decision as to what you really want that life to look like. Now that doesn't mean that some days aren't 12 hour days because they are. That depends right. on what the workload is that you have to do. But it also means that in the middle of a Wednesday afternoon, I may go get a pedicure because that's the time slot that I have available and, and extra moments, you know, to do the things that I enjoy. Uh, intentional living. Like for so many years, I was living life in the passenger seat. Yeah. Right? I was just along for the ride. Oh, you need to put time on my calendar for a meeting at 5 p.m. when I'm supposed to be driving home to get my kids from daycare. Okay, I'll take your meeting. Right? It was like whatever other people wanted me to do or I felt like I should do, I just went with it. Yeah. And then when I was able to step back and say, you know what? Here's my big life goals. Like here are the things that I want to accomplish while I have my time here on this earth. And you know what? Being on the PTA this year, that, that doesn't work for me. That doesn't fit into my top goals for this year. Now, you need somebody to work the Thanksgiving lunch, a parent to come in and serve some stuff. Great. I'm happy to volunteer some time and sign up, but I can't commit to more than that. And so when I started really having a roadmap for what I wanted my life to look like, which is one of the things that I help my clients build, it gave me that North Star to say, I know where I'm going. And if your thing doesn't fit in with how I get there, then no is the answer, you know? And it, it really helps people who are people pleasers because it's much easier when you have something written down and you have a plan to say no than if it just catches you off guard and you're just more likely to say like, oh, okay, I'll fit that in somewhere. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I definitely have, I, I, definitely live intentionally at this point and I have certain days that are set for certain tasks and outside of that I'm like you know I I'm sorry like that I just I just don't and I love women who uh especially that I've been in contact with for the show and I'll say well I you know I have this time or this time and they'll be like I'm never available on Tuesdays I'm like I love that I love that you know that about yourself yep. Absolutely. And people will respect you so much more. I always thought when I was in corporate, well, if I'm the one who stays the latest in the office or I'm the one who takes up all the projects or I'm the one that does it all, I'll be rewarded. And in reality, yes, I worked my way up and I did get some rewards from that behavior. But honestly, it was the people who put up the boundaries that were more respected because they were saw, hey, they have value in themselves. They value their own time. So I will value their time. When you don't value yourself or you don't value your time, you can't expect others to value it. Yeah, 100%. Some of the most important boundaries I have ever set were boundaries that I had to force myself to stick to. Yep. 
Yeah, and it's not easy, but it's the same thing. It's a muscle, right? And you do that muscle over and over, and it gets stronger, and it gets stronger. And next thing you know, it's like you're taking risks. You're saying no. You're putting up boundaries, and you're living your best life, which we all deserve. Yes, absolutely. So from your experience, your midnight midlife crisis, what would you say is your number one best piece of advice that you could give people that are looking in at the same precipice that you were on? Yeah. And you're, I hope that they're not going to like this perhaps because everybody <laughs> wants a silver bullet, right? We all, I wanted the silver bullet and I looked at everyone else and was like, what should I be doing with my life? Please tell me the answers. Do you know what I should be doing? What do you think about this? And I just put that onus on everyone else. Here's the thing. You have all the answers inside of you. I knew I wasn't happy in corporate back in 2016 when I was crying in bathrooms. Like I knew I wasn't happy there, but I ignored it and I didn't want to hear it because of what that potentially meant for me. Sure. So my biggest advice is to really take some time and get quiet with yourself. Whether that is taking a day off and being alone, getting a journal, writing down your feelings, and really staring it in the face and saying, you know what, these are the areas of my life that I'm happy in. These are the areas where something is broken and why. And be brutally honest with yourself. No one else has to know. No one else ever has to see it. But really take the time to identify those things so that you can start to put in a plan of action to change those things. And once you start looking deep down inside, you're going to have all the answers that you need. Oh, I love that. I love that. I think to piggyback on that, what I would say is go with your gut. Like whatever those feelings are that are coming up, whatever those ideas are that are coming up, those ideas aren't just random. Right. Like there's something in that. Trust it and be willing to move forward and take the next step and take the next step and take the next step. You don't need to know what the end is. You right. just need to know a direction to go in. Absolutely. This has been awesome and I cannot wait until your book is released. I've already pre-ordered it, so it's at the top of my list. I can't wait till it gets here. Um, tell everyone how they can get a hold of you if they're looking for how to access your book. We will absolutely you know, put the link in the show notes. Um, but if someone wants to reach out to you and learn more about you, how can they do that? Awesome. So you can go to karenfreeland.com. Uh, that is my website. There's a tab on there for the life coaching. There's a tab on there for my memoir. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram at Karen Freeland, or you can find me on Facebook at Karen Freeland Life Coaching. And um, yeah, the book is a lot of fun. It's available right now for pre-order, The Ins and Outs of My Vagina, a penetrating memoir on both Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. It will officially be launched on the 14th, but you can check out a free snippet now on my website to see if it might be for you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I appreciate it very much. I've enjoyed having you on the show and we will absolutely share your information everywhere we can. Thank you so much. It was great to be here today. Thank you so much for tuning in to the My Wim Life Show today. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a moment of the goodness.